The Old Testament reading for the sixth Sunday after Trinity is from Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The epistle is from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. 
We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Alleluia and Holy Gospel reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our world seems to be filled with lawlessness. When you turn on the news, whether it be local or national, all the time you will hear about crime after crime, death after death, and theft after theft. All around us, it seems, are lawless people. You will find them in your towns, in your schools, among your friends, and unfortunately, sometimes even in your churches. And it would seem that our world today is even more lawless than it once was. Things that were once unheard of evils are now commonplace. You can hardly go throughout your life 
without hearing or seeing something that supports great evils such as abortion, sodomy, and many other great sins. What should be unthinkable has now become all too common. But lest we think that we are mere spectators of lawlessness and not also participants in it, we should remember that the reach of sin goes very far into our own lives as well. It infects and attacks all that we do, whether it be with our words, our actions, our thoughts, our hearts. For we, like all other humans, were born with original sin, that is, without the fear of God, without trusting God, and with the inclination to sin. But in the face of all of this lawlessness, both out there in the world and here within our own hearts, God has given his perfect commands of his law, as we have heard today in our Old Testament reading. These are commands that we are not only entirely unable to fulfill and do on our own, but we are also just unwilling. But despite our great lawlessness, Jesus has saved you by fulfilling the law in your stead and paying your ransom on the cross. In today's gospel reading, Christ says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Furthermore, he says that not even an iota, the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet, will pass away. And by this he means that every little bit of the law was still in its full effect and with its full demand. No one, not even the outwardly perfect scribes or Pharisees, could escape from these demands or their consequences. Instead of removing God's law or just entirely destroying it, Jesus says that he has actually come to fulfill the law. Jesus then warns against those who would dare to relax even the least of these commandments and teach others to do the same. For such ones will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus goes on to specifically reference the Mosaic law to the scribes and Pharisees, saying, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And now at this point, we can imagine the scribes and the Pharisees all nodding their heads in agreement, because it does seem quite obvious that if you murder somebody, well, you should probably pay a consequence. You should be judged. But Jesus continues, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What Christ wants his hearers to understand, and what he wants you here to understand, is that the law isn't simply about not murdering people with your hands. It is also about your thoughts and your feelings. It is about murdering people with your heart. Jesus wants them to see that the circumcision of the flesh means nothing if there is not also the circumcision of the heart because the law is meant both for the body and the soul. And so, the demands of the law extend not only to your actions, but also to your desires and your passions. Sure, abstaining from murder is quite easy, but abstaining from anger, from hateful thoughts or words? We, like the Pharisees and scribes in Jesus' day, have all been guilty of such things, and therefore we have indeed all committed murder in our hearts. 
And because of this, we are all truly deserving of God's judgment to be brought before the council and to the hell of fire. And now in case anyone doubts the severity of such threats, Christ gives this final admonition. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Any time that you have relaxed God's law in your own life, such as when you might have despised God's gifts of word and sacrament by intentionally not coming to church, or when you didn't pray daily or do devotions with your family, or perhaps when you cheated a little bit on that test, or maybe even when you cheated on your taxes. Every little bit of gossip, every time that you have felt angry with your neighbor, all of these things convict us and make us deserving of God's wrath and hellfire, no matter how large the sin is or how small it may seem. We would do well to recall what we confess in the small catechism regarding what God says about all these commandments in Exodus 20. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. But what does this mean after all? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against them. But he promises grace and every blessing to all who keep these commandments. Therefore, we should also love and trust in him and gladly do what he commands. So rather than excusing or minimizing your sins, rather than covering up the lawlessness of your own hearts with flashy outward deeds like the scribes and Pharisees were doing, we ought to fear God's wrath and turn to him and him alone for mercy. Truly your sin is great, no matter how small it might seem to us at times, since all sin, whether it be your thoughts, words, or deeds, all are your old Adam trying to bring you back away from God and into the clutches of the devil. But thanks be to God, Christ Jesus has not abolished the law or abandoned you to fulfill it on your own, but rather he himself has fulfilled it for us. Jesus lived a perfect life according to all of those commandments so that you would not have to. He removed the curse of the law in his own death and took all of your guilt and he placed it on himself. He took all of your cheating, all of your excuses and minimizing, all of your failings, and he put them to death on the cross by his own death. He paid that last penny for you so that you would not have to and he went to the prison of hell triumphant so that you would never have to suffer such a loss. And now all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now we will certainly continue to see lawlessness out there in the world and also in your own hearts, until your old Adam is finally taken away from you in death. But we have full confidence that Jesus Christ has paid that full debt for your sin, and that he has made full atonement in your place. You have been freed from the chains of sin, and now we walk in newness of life. And now it is by Christ's death that you have been reconciled not only unto God, but also unto your neighbors. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.